And then once you establish that something is making you feel comfortable or uncomfortable, then you can communicate it with a partner. Welcome back to Everyday Endorphins and the third episode in the Healthy Relationships and Dating series of the podcast. You just heard from Dr. Chiamati, who is an OBGYN. In this episode, we talked about the different aspects of sexual wellness, from the very physical aspects most of us think about to more mental aspects around sexual wellness, and the importance of creating boundaries in a healthy relationship and how to go about that. On a heavier note, I wanted to give a trigger warning because we do talk about some touchier subjects regarding sexual harassment and assault. So please be mindful when listening that these topics will be covered later in the episode. If you or someone you know has experienced sexual assault, you can visit RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, which stands for the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. They're the largest anti-sexual violence organization, and they have many great resources around sexual violence and safety. So please, please utilize those resources if you are in need or someone you know may benefit from them. On a lighter note, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. And before we get into it, I have a brief message from my sponsor, Anchor. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Dr. Chi. Thank you so much for coming on to Everyday Endorphins. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. And, you know, I'd love for us to start off by telling my listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. So my name is Dr. Chi Amati and OBGYN for over 15 years. I currently do practice as an OBGYN, um, but I'm also an advocate for mental health and wellness overall. That's amazing. With your background and your passions, I'm really excited to talk about sexual wellness and what makes a healthy relationship. So especially as an OBGYN, I think there's many different aspects of sexual wellness that we can talk about. So I'd love to start off by hearing what your definition is of what it means to have a healthy sexual relationship and what the different aspects of sexual wellness is. I think that when you talk about getting into relationships, the first important thing is to take a stock of how you are relating with yourself. And then once you relate with yourself, you can relate with other people. So if I was to look at sexual wellness, I would think that there are three um, aspects of it. The first one is obviously physical. Everybody thinks of physical as in having intercourse. But when I'm talking about physical, I'm talking about the physical taking care of your organs, your body. And so um, I would say that making time to make sure that you've had annual examination or checkup is very important for sexual wellness. 
For women, uh, it's not just about getting your annual pap smear uh, to reduce your risk of cervical cancer, but there are other things that women can get like yeast infections, um, bacterial vaginosis, or even sexually transmitted diseases that just by touching base with your physician or um, nurse practitioner, they can uh, find out from asking you questions and maybe some symptoms that you thought might have been normal or you've accustomed yourself to it, um, that that's actually something that needs to be addressed. Although I'm an OBGYN, obviously I deal with women in different types of relationships. And so that I do hear about issues that occur for men. And obviously as a doctor, I was also trained in some basic internal medicine issues. And so you guys out there are, are not to be left out. You know, you two need to get annual exams um, to, to do ch- testicular and prostate exams when the time is right. That's a number one fundamental that I think it's easily overlooked is taking care of your physical body. And a healthy physical body is very important to sexual pleasure. That's, I would say, number one. Number two, I would say is probably um, mental um, aspect of sexual wellness, and that's um, the ability to have free and non-judgmental fantasies (laughs) and uh, desires. Um, Obviously, they have to be in alignment with your partner, but being able to communicate what you like, um, what feels good to you, how you like to be touched, um, how you like to touch others, and getting that consent between the two of you going, I would say is um, another important aspect. I'd love to hone in on this mental aspect of sexual wellness. I think it's really challenging, especially for women, to have the confidence to ask for what you want in a sexual experience and to even really know exactly what you want and what you like. Do you have any advice or suggestions for how to build that confidence and feel confident in yourself to have the ability to have that kind of conversation? It's awkward, isn't it, to start the initial foray into asking for what you want. But I think being playful is always good and acknowledging the awkwardness in in the situation um, initially. And I think the more you, you ask and the more you do, the more comfortable you become. You know, um, if something doesn't feel good, I think it's important to say it in the beginning versus trying to endure it because then you're just teaching your partner that that's what you want and that's what you desire, which is obviously the opposite, right? So if, if someone is touching you with maybe too much pressure or an erogenous zone that they think is erogenous, but you actually find it maybe ticklish or discomforting, you know, you could laugh or you could giggle or you could actually just verbalize and say, or move your hand, move their hand or, you know, uh, touch them where you like to be touched. So a lot of it is is building that initial intimacy and communication. I don't think there's any one way to go about it, but I do think the most important thing is to speak up. You know, one of the things that women come in and tell me is that they met somebody and they're really attracted to them, but they're not able to orgasm, you know, and so they fake that orgasm. I, it is more difficult for a guy to fake an orgasm, but he can kind of so do so. And then they leave the situation unsatisfied and it just, it starts a foundation that I don't think is as healthy as it could be. And so it's more about 
finding those things that help you get there and letting go of some of the uh, societal pressures and judgments associated to all that. And so I think that being able to be honest in a relationship is very fundamental and important. If you can start there, then I think that's the most important part of um, the process. Definitely. I think honesty, as you've mentioned, and having the ability to communicate well with your partner is so important for setting the foundation of a healthy relationship. And I feel like it it might be even more challenging to be able to do that unless you start with being honest with yourself and being, you know, very self-compassionate and understanding of what you like and knowing your boundaries. Absolutely. And I think also the ability to create boundaries, to create healthy boundaries is also super important. And I'd I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about what that looks like and any tools that we can use to understand how to set healthy boundaries in a relationship. Absolutely. So um, I don't think we're really taught boundaries. I mean, I know I wasn't taught when I was younger. I think as I've experienced life, I've learned what boundary setting looks like. I think it's because people have made it seem as if if you say what you feel or you believe, then you're not being quote unquote nice or you're not being quote unquote friendly. Again, I think you're not being genuine and you're not being honest if you don't say, hey, when you do this, that makes me feel, you know, or I prefer when you do X, Y, Z, you know. So I think, that again, with boundary setting, it's being honest with yourself. I think you first have to find out what your personal boundary is, right? And then once you establish that something is making you feel comfortable or uncomfortable, then you can communicate it with a partner. So if there is, um, you know, obviously I'm an OBGYN, so I don't want all things to be sexual, but if there's a sexual act that you may not be comfortable with, right? I think that, you know, it's, it's again, a, a way you can do it in a playful way where you can say, uh, 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 not right now, or we're not there yet, or, you know, or, um, you know, or say like, hey, you know, why don't we try this instead? Or, you know, I really love when you do that. You know, and so you can re uh, focus uh, in that moment what your desire need is. And then maybe once you get out of that moment, you can share with the person, hey, you know what? I don't feel comfortable doing that with you just yet, but, you know, maybe I'm willing to explore it or it's a no go. <laughs> it's a it's a hard stop. You know, it's a deal breaker. Uh, uh, but I think that a lot of women are pressured. And again, I don't want everything to seem like I'm only talking about women. So guys, feel free to interject yourselves, you know, when I say that. But I do think a lot of women feel pressured to perform acts that maybe they're not ready to do at that particular time or they frankly don't want to do at all because they want to keep their partner happy. 
And then there's a secret resentment that kind of builds up in the relationship because you're giving in a way that you really don't want to give. And your partner has no idea. They think this is great. This is what you want to do. We're building intimacy. We're building a relationship. That's important. That's important to start early in the relationship. And you know what? If you've been in a relationship for a long time and you haven't been setting boundaries, that's okay too. (laughs) You know, it's never too late to set a boundary, you know? I think you just have to um, say, hey, you know what? I, I really like when you do this more than you do that. And I, most partners will want to please you. And so you can naturally, in that token, start setting the boundary. Definitely. I also recently watched this masterclass with Emily Morse, who is, she has her own podcast called Sex with Emily. And the masterclass was about sex and communication. And something that I felt was kind of like eye opening to me was, about pleasure. It's supposed to be two-sided in a sexual relationship or in a sexual experience. And I think a lot of women in particular feel this need to perform or this need to please the other partner. And I, I just like, I don't understand why that's been the message that's been circulating and why that's what we see in society and what we see in, in film and media and how so much is sexualized in in the media and in our, in the world around us. And I think it's giving us this warped understanding of what a really healthy relationship is because it wouldn't be this one-sided pleasure giving experience. Right. Stella, you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, it's all advertising. (laughs) Advertising has gotten us here. Um, But uh, you know, there, there. I think we've made progress, you know, in in showing strong female characters to young girls. But you're right. I mean, it starts early at that. You know, the the female character is supposed to please the male character, be subservient to that alpha male um, concept, and so uh, it's hard. I think if you go into it just open minded. Um, and honest with your partner that, hey, you know, there's a lot of messaging out there and I'm not even sure what I like or what I don't like. So let's explore it together, you know, um, versus what worked with your last girlfriend or boyfriend and then trying to prescribe it um, to the new person. Listen, there's also a lot of pressure on guys, you know, so it's it's it is kind of in both directions, you know, guys have this pressure to be awesome in bed and to magically know everything that will make a woman um, feel pleasure. And that's impossible. (laughs) They just can't, you know? And so I do think that guys do try to do cues like, Hey, you like that? You like that? Yeah. Yeah. Am I doing good? Doing good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they do try to do cues and that's a perfect opportunity women for you to, um, you know, and other partners, you know, male partners as well, um, to step up and to speak up and be like, yeah, awesome. I like that. Or, ah, yeah, but you know what I like better? (laughs) You know, uh, it's this, um, or I really love, I think people love compliments, especially in intimate situations. And I think when you tell a partner, oh, I love it when you, oh yeah. And, you know, you can enunciate, you don't always have to use these really cumbersome words. Right. And I think that that's the problem when women are faking orgasms, they 
they do the moan like, mm, yeah. And meanwhile, it's fake. And so, you know, don't do it in a fake situation, right? Hold out, be tough. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Make your partner work for the moan, you know? Exactly. And I think, you know, I guess with everything really practice makes, well, not perfect, but to practice these things. So maybe it's important to keep that in the back of your head the next time something is happening that you don't necessarily enjoy or find pleasurable to actually take the step of, of courage, take the leap of faith and say, Hey, actually, like, I would prefer if you do X, Y, Z, something different. Right. You know, you're right. And this is the best part is like, it's small cues. Like, Oh, could you kiss me here? Or or moving the hand, like, you know, I mean, or you changing your positioning. So there are, you know, there are ways that, you know, it doesn't have to be this really intellectual move, right? It could be subtle. And I do think that men like it when women take a little bit of initiative or partners in general. And so I think that if you took initiative in a situation to flip the script, I don't see any partner saying, no, 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 I want to do all the work. You know what I mean? I want to do everything. I think that that is really encouraging. And so that might be your segue or your in. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a little bit, because what if that actually did happen? I feel like that would be a bit of a red flag in a relationship if a partner is not willing to be flexible or to actually listen to what you have to say. Absolutely. You hit it on the the head with that. Yeah. So I agree. Anytime you're making a request or speaking up or guiding and you are redirected or rebuffed or um, I won't say reprimanded, but you know, but like, like, no, 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 I know what I'm doing kind of thing. You know, that should make you pause because if in my most vulnerable situation, which is what intimacy is when you're being sexually intimate with somebody, you are literally naked usually in some, somewhere in your body. Right. And most of us feel most vulnerable when we're naked, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if you are in your most vulnerable situation and, and presentation and somebody is not willing to um, support you, be gentle, um, be slow, be kind, be loving, be affable, be, be supportive, that, that's not good. Because <laughs> uh, that's when we should have all the feels, you know, in, in that and so, um, again, uh, uh, maybe at some other point or, you know, we can talk in very detail, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, what is pleasurable is going to differ from person to person, right? And what people's sexual fantasies are is also going to differ, right? So maybe somebody likes somebody being that take charge, you know, type of person. Um, but if I like it in that one sense and but now I'm feeling like I want to reciprocate or show you something and you can't allow me to move into that new positioning I absolutely agree with you you need to take a pause and be like wait what's going on here am I safe am I protected am I taking care of myself because the number one job I feel like we have here is to take care of ourselves And once we take care of ourselves um, to the best of our ability, then we can start giving and taking care of others. Definitely. I completely agree with that comment. And I think that runs true with, with any, anything related to wellness and any type of experience in life is, is only going to be 
made better if you're able to first prioritize yourself and take care of yourself. And then the rest does follow. And, you know, unfortunately, the reality is that sexual assault across college campuses is so high. Yeah. And what's been shown is that you're more likely to be assaulted by someone that you do know. And I think that makes it even scarier because the idea is that, well, if you know them, you should probably feel safe around them if you're engaging in a sexual experience. But that's just really frightening to think that you put your trust in this person and all of a sudden something went really wrong in that situation and your boundaries were not being respected. Or maybe you felt too afraid, too nervous if it got to the point where it was really violent to even voice those concerns or, or create those boundaries. Yeah. um, This is a big area um, close to my heart. Um, I think it's so um, perverse in our, in our, in our culture, this idea that, Again, not picking on the guys, but um, that boys will be boys um, concept um, where certain aggressive behaviors are condoned and kind of um, forgiven because, you know, guys, you know, um, that type of attitude. And so when that's the foundation where young men are raised, it's hard for them to hear maybe when somebody is being serious and saying, uh, no, you know, or stop, or I don't like that. Right. Um, because that idea like of women don't really know their minds, you know, we can be convinced, um, we can be persuaded. Uh, it also goes with along in society with the idea and concept that, you know, boys will, will be boys. Um, so I think we need a partnership between um, men and women in terms of women not saying and doing what you don't want, right? Like, so, you know, being able to say like, I don't like that or no, or stop or verbalizing, you know, using more, you know, kind of clear cues. And, And then guys, I think also being with other guys and when women are being objectified or sexualized or, kind of um, dehumanize in one way, you know, that's locker room talk kind of thing. Then it's really incumbent, I think, of other guys saying like, hey, dude, you know, that's not cool. Or, you know, I have a sister, I have a mother. um, So I'm not kind of cool with that. And I think when, when both of those things kind of converge, fingers crossed, my hope is that we will see better communication between men and women and we will see less, you know, sexual assault um, in society in general. I mean, campuses are hard because it's a contained area, right? Where people kind of stuck in a certain space. So it's easy access for lack of a better word. So it's not as if like sexual assault doesn't occur other places. It's just like the campus is is so, you know, same people on campus all the time for extended amount of of period of time. You know, it's just the access is very different. And, you know, I would say that I think once you start talking to um, guys and, you know, what their intentions were, you'll find out that it was never their intention to cross that line. Like they didn't even know it was so subconscious that they didn't even know they were doing it, that they weren't listening. 
right? And so I really think it's important that we start young, we start early, we're consistent, and we say like, hey, no isn't maybe you can change my mind. No is no, I don't want that. And I don't have to repeat myself if I say no or stop. One time should be enough. I totally agree. Like educating about consent, especially at an early age is so important. And I think going back to your previous point about being on a college campus, I think a lot of it is tied into the narrative that we understand sex as on a college campus. There's a huge hookup culture on college campuses. Not a good, not a bad thing. It just... Right, yeah. And I think a lot of the expectation around going out and being a part of, you know, the college social life and parties is that you get dressed and you get ready with your friends and you go out and you probably have a few drinks and being under the influence obviously isn't going to help in these kinds of scenarios. But I think there's this very strong narrative about sex happening when you go to a party and maybe you hook up with a guy. And I mean, also the terminology, just hooking up, people have so many different definitions for what it means to hook up with someone. I think that's where it gets to be also a bit of cloudy waters. And so I definitely, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, I think a lot of it has to do with the narrative of how we see the string of events leading up to someone having sex. And I think that also ties into when you're actually having sex, the self-confidence and the self-esteem and the ability to have the, the confidence to say, Hey, I don't like this or yeah, this feels good or just being communicative in those, in those experiences. Right. And I love how you brought up uh, self-esteem because I do think that that plays a role in everything we've spoken about in terms of um, boundary settings, um, wellness. It starts with self. Like we talked about before, if you feel like I am enough, just the way I am. And I have something of value to offer you in my communicating with you um, in building a friendship with you. And that is enough, right? That, that offers enough. Then when you are doing something that makes me uncomfortable, I'm more likely to speak up than a person who doesn't feel enough, who is feeling vulnerable, who is trying to please, who's trying to be quote unquote light. Um, And so um, I might be more, you know, willing to keep moving that boundary. You know what I mean? So maybe starts off with a kiss, right? And I was okay with a kiss, but that's really all I wanted to do with you. But now you're feeling kind of like emboldened and like encouraged. And now you want to move along, you know, to second and third base. Do you guys still say that nowadays? Second and third bases? Um, not really. <laughs> but I I understand the messaging and I think my listeners will understand as well. Right. And uh, maybe you don't want to go to those bases. Um, but, um, you know, the fact that you feel like, well, I, I already said yes on this level means I must continue to say yes is, like you said, the wrong messaging, right? you should be able to say at any step of the process, this is where I feel comfortable stopping for now or forever. Right. Like, you know, so, cause you know, maybe after kissing, you're like, I'm good. I don't know. I'm good. It's a wrap. Right. And you shouldn't feel like you must continue down a road that you don't want. So how do we, how do we get there? How do we get to a point where women and men feel honest enough to communicate? And I think it goes back to, 
really that sense of let's be friends and what does a friend look like? Like, what do I like in friendship? That's what I can offer you, right? And so when you start mirroring back what you're offering, I think if you take stock of what's happening, you'll be less likely to kind of go with the flow, right? Because if if your friend was doing it, you would be like, girl, what are you doing? Exactly. And I think, you know, the foundation or like the baseline quality in, in a friend is just respect, respect right. for the other person. And I think that's also what this can be boiled down to as well, like the self-esteem and, and respect for yourself and for the other person. And, you know, I know we've been talking about these topics in this episode for the past 30 minutes. And as an OBGYN, you, you know, you see patients about more of the physical aspects of sexual wellness. But are these the kinds of conversations that women can be having with their OBGYN to, to talk beyond the physical aspects of sexual wellness? Absolutely. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to um, encourage and empower women to feel comfortable with their bodies. I wish there were so many ways I could express the concern that women come to me about hygiene. Let's call it hygiene and things that haven't been uh, uh, shaved. I think all women will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and um, we're, we're, not, we're not judging you right? We, we are here to take care of you and encourage you. And I think in that freedom of not being judged in that moment is an opportunity to women to pay that back to themselves. You know what I mean? To stop the judging that we put on ourselves about like, oh, it's a little flabby. It's a little saggy. It's a little this, it's a little that. Because again, it goes all back to the advertising and the marketing of the images that have been told to us that are quote unquote right and perfect. And so, yes, you can ask us anything. Let's talk about it. Hopefully we'll get you to start feeling better about um, body, your body and how you feel in it. And then you'll be able to take that with you into a relationship. Thank you so much for sharing all of this and for being open and willing to have this conversation with me on the podcast. It's been so wonderful to have you as a guest. And before I let you go, there's one question that I ask everyone that comes on to Everyday Endorphins. What is something that brings you a bit of endorphins every day? For me, I think it's uh, gratitude. Um, and I do, I do practice uh, meditation. And so just taking stock of how amazing life can be, you know, even with its ups and downs. I know it sounds hokey, <laughs> but uh, it ends up at the end of the day when I take stock about just the fact that I'm alive and I'm, I'm overall mostly healthy and have food <laughs> and shelter, you know, the, you know, things that I think that we end up taking for granted when you take stock of those things, it can really just make you feel grateful. And so um, a practice of gratitude for me has uh, really helped me stay endorphined. <laughs> I love that. On some of my previous episodes, I've spoken about how I used to use a gratitude jar. So every day I would write down something that made me happy or like a cool thing that happened that day even if it was like super, super small. And I'd put it in this jar and at the end of the semester, it was filled to the top and I read all the little snippets of paper. And you're right, like when you're able to focus on the small incremental things that bring you happiness, 
you're, you're focusing your attention and your energy on things that are going to uplift you. Even if the negatives, quote unquote, the negatives outweigh the positives, you really put your energy towards something that will inspire you and keep you feeling motivated and feeling grateful and thankful for what you do have that will actually then outweigh the negatives and allow you to kind of keep moving forward. And I think that's especially important in this time that we're living in. So I love that answer. Well, thank you so much, Stella. It's really been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, follow on whatever platform that you listen to this podcast on. A little bit goes a long way, so I really appreciate it. And I'm very excited for next week's episode, the last part of the Healthy Relationship series. I've got a great guest coming on, so stay tuned.